Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout-out to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, offering CFO and bookkeeping services for small business, Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? Indira Gandhi orders an attack on the Sikhs' holiest site in India, killing over 1,000. U.S. missiles shoot down an incoming missile in space for the first time. And the USSR offers to start talking about banning the SDI. I'm sure they did. This is June of 1984. You're listening to What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. And Rob is bringing this really kicking butt album. Yes. This is the second album by Night Ranger. It actually came out in October 26, 1983. This song, You Can Still Rock in America, reached number 51 in June of 1984. So that's why we're delving into this for this month. This is just, if you're not familiar with Night Ranger, this is just straightforward mid-80s rock and roll. Yes, which is hard to find. With a few, Can be. With a few ballads. With a, well, you gotta gotta have in. a ballad every once yes, in a while. Yes, you do. So this song uh, was one of their uh, singles off of here. Do you know what the other two were off of Midnight Madness? Oh, Sister, Sister Christian. Yep. yep. And Four in the Morning, wasn't it? When You Close Your Eyes. Yeah. yeah. Do You Still Think About Me? Sister Christian made it to number five and was actually their biggest hit ever. Uh, and then uh, When You Close Your Eyes made it to number 14. How would you describe this type of music? It's almost pop metal. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, not heavy metal. But, you, I mean, you, I when saw, you're rocking, rocking, you can, you can bob yeah. your head to that, you know. I, I saw it listed as glam metal. So that's yeah. what you're saying, pop metal. Uh, yeah. yeah. I would put it in the same category. Triumph? Well, Triumph is one. Yeah. I'm drawing a blank. Who's saying uh, it's everybody's it's, working for the weekend? Yeah, yeah, Loverboy. Loverboy, Lover thank you. Yeah, I can it's, see that. It's not, it's not, it's not all that sophisticated. I just consider this just straightforward yeah. '80s rock and roll. Yeah. That's yeah. sort of a reprise of Sister Christian, right there. Yeah, it I, is a little yeah. bit. They started in 1979. There were these three guys. They were in a band called Rubicon. Jack Blades was the bassist, Kelly Keegy was the drummer, and Brad Gillis was on guitar. And they left to kind of start forming. They were going to form a trio, and they they really needed a little bit more, so they picked up a guy named Alan Fitzgerald, who was with Montrose formerly hmm. in 1980, and then they added Jeff Watson. So uh, they they that was the five of them that made up Night Ranger. Listen to this. Rock in America. There was a Song Facts interview with Jack Blades, and he said they were on tour with Sammy Hagar. They were opening for him. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, with Montrose, when Sammy Hagar was, was lead singer with Montrose well, for a while. And, but this was actually with their uh, Dawn Patrol album, their oh, previous yeah, yeah. album. I think I did a song spotlight yeah. a few months back on that. He said he had a day or two off. He bought some 
a bunch of rock magazines, and he says at at this time the magazines were saying rock is dead. This is the music you should listen to: the Thompson Twins, the Cure, everything that wasn't real rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> I have to agree. But he says, but everywhere we were playing with Hagar, it was thousands of people out there. Everybody was rocking and rolling. As far as I'm concerned, you can still rock in America. And I thought. That's kind of cool. Yeah. You can't still rock in America. So that's that became Well, you had the glam metal. You had the heavy metal coming out, you know. And it was two hard rocks, two hard or heavy metal songs than a ballad. Yeah. And that's sort of what they, they, the template that they did here. Yes, absolutely. But this one is absolutely rocking. I love the way this thing comes to an end, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. There we All go. All right, that's a rock ending right there, yes, isn't sir. it? So this one is Why Does Love Have to Change? Listen to those guitars. And there are guitars. Mm-hmm. So Night Ranger was known for having two lead guitars and two lead singers. Huh. So they, I mean, you can listen to the, the guitars playing in here. You can tell that there's a lot of picking going on back and forth. So the two lead singers, was there any inspiration from uh, the association? I, I don't know what inspired them to do it, but I know that Jack Blades and Kelly Keegi were both singing. Kelly Keegi was on drums, mm-hmm. and he's the guy that sang and wrote Sister Christian. Yeah. So that was, was one of the things that really attracted me to the band is it's unusual to find a, a, a person that sings from behind the drums. Right. I mean, you think about Phil Collins, obviously, and then... Uh, Don Henley. Yep, Don Henley from the Eagles. There was an interview with uh, the, the two guitarists are Jeff Watson and Brad Gillis. And and Jeff Watson, in an interview, was explaining that when he was a kid, his dad got him a guitar. When he was like, I think he said he was eight. Mm. But he got him a 12-string. Oh, oh, wow. So he, he, was, he didn't know any better, so he's learning how to play on a 12-string and pick all the different things. So if you listen, you can hear kind of... He, in the guitar, you can hear a lot of almost picking versus just mm-hmm. strumming. I thought it was neat that he kind of started with that type of a guitar. It's almost like, as bad as starting with a banjo. But you <laughs> hear That's it. Right. It's tough. You can hear that. I had read an article about them several years ago, and that was one of one of the things that they said is they're never, even though they had two guitarists, there was never really any um, any real tension between the two of them. Right. They, they got along very well yeah they did they got along very well as a matter of fact well one's got to do rhythm also i mean that's it's like i i would say i point out like chris i mean paul stanley did rhythm guitar yeah he's freely did the, the the lead but paul stanley would throw some lead in there also and then ace would, would throw rhythm so i mean it, it's it was it was a symbiotic relationship with you. the people playing here in the band were jack blades who's bass and lead vocals. He started off in Rubicon, Night Ranger, ended up one of the founding members of Damn Yankees. Yep. Oh, yes. With Tommy Shaw and We'll have, and I'll, I'll have to pull those guys out shortly. Alan Fitzgerald was with Montrose as a bass player. After Night Ranger, he was with uh, Sammy Hagar, and he was also offstage keyboard player with Van Halen in the early 90s to 2004. Oh, he was behind the curtain. Yeah, he was back there <laughs> playing the keyboards. <laughs> So Eddie wasn't playing the keyboards on, on a lot of songs. Not all the time. 
And Brad Gillis, guitars and vocals. He's the, He was on all 12 studio albums, and Gillis is the only Night Ranger member to have appeared at every live performance. And ah. he's still out there. He's still rocking America. He's still rocking in America. And he also played for Ozzy Osbourne. Kelly Keegy on drums, as I said, and lead vocals. He was with sang Sister Christian. And listen, Jeff Watson, just good, good, solid guitar playing oh, right yeah. there. These would these guys would be great to see. Yeah, I'd, wouldn't I'd they? like to see them did live. Did you say today. what the song was? Yeah, this is what, yeah, I did. It, this is why does love have to change? Okay. All right, so as this one's um, that one got out, a little bit of, of, of play. At oh the yeah, time. it did. Uh, 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 the album did really. It just it wasn't like a, a release, a singles release. Okay, we're gonna take it down that rock ballad route now. This reminds me of another band. This reminds me of Triumph. Does it? Zebra. Mm-hmm. Who's behind the oh, door? Oh, yeah, yeah. Zebra, too. Yeah. That's a good point. Also, a little bit, to me, of um, Little River Band. I can see Little yeah, River Band playing that. it, too. So, But that's just, listen to that sound. Mm-hmm. That's that definitely has 80s written all over it. Yeah. And it has that 12-string feel to it. Yeah. It does. This is a great, this is the last song on the album. Mm-hmm. And it's a great one. We've talked about how you'd listen to an album with your headphones on, and then it would, it you fall asleep to it. Did you ever make it to the end of the album? I mean, you, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> Not me. this is a great this is a great album, a great song to kind of, you know, you start off with Just you can out. still rock in yeah. America, and then you yeah. end with this. Yeah. They were really known for their ballads and uh, Sister Christian, of mm-hmm. course. Love the harmony there, Sister Christian. I, I read this in Wikipedia. It proved to be the band's milestone as well as their millstone. Mm. And uh, Brad Gillis said that Sister Christian was written and ready to go in 1982 on Dawn Patrol. But they were a little bit worried. They wanted to be a rock band. Mm -hmm. And they were worried about putting Sister Christian out because they didn't want to be known as a ballad band. Mm. And, of course, it ended up on this album. We spotlighted Sister Christian uh, a while back and talking about how, how, you know, Dedicated, I think, to you know, to one of the guy's sisters. Yeah, it was to his, Yeah, it was to uh, Keegan's uh, sister. I just yeah. got to say, '84. I mean, it was. I just remember it being hot because I was in that. Was, I was uh, in the summer of June of '84. I was working maintenance at Auburn University for a summer job, and all we did was just paint dorm rooms, and we just had music cranking. Probably and, not much air conditioning. Exactly, and I just remember <laughs> one weekend. Uh, I was dating a girl, and we went to Florida, and just, you know, being in the Gulf Coast, getting out in the water, going, oh, it's refreshing. No, it was like 85-degree water temperature. <laughs> bath it, was, up temperature. <laughs> it was bathtub. It was like, okay, it's all right to come out here at night. It won't be good during the day. So. Yeah. Yes. But those nice, smooth, white sands, you know, having having a... Uh, it liquid does. vivation on the on the beach was nice. It does take you back there, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, the, the uh, this this album's got some great tracks on it. Uh, another one is "Rumors in the Air." Mm-hmm. If you remember like that, like a thief yeah. in the night. Yeah. And uh, "Touch of Madness." Yeah. You would you would recognize that if I played that one. It, "Passion Play." I, that actually got a little play also. "Chipping Away." Yep. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And it, it's, I mean, it was just a great album. And they had they had a number of albums. They had Dawn Patrol in 82, Midnight Madison in 83, Seven Wishes in 85, Big Life in 1987. Actually went and saw them 
1987 at a concert at the Fox, one of the loudest concerts I've ever wow. been to. Really? It was so loud you almost couldn't hear the music. Like you had to put your fingers in your ears just to hear the music. Wow. That's, that's too bad. Yeah. Well, so I'm going to close out with, you. this is kind of a mix between a ballad and a rock song, but this is my favorite track on this project, uh, even beyond Sister Christian, which I do love, but listen to that guitar intro. Now that harkens to Journey, doesn't it? It, yes. it does. It does. This was this was just a, a great song to me, being in 1984, and it's that story of you know the the guy and the girl relationship and just trying to figure things out. Yeah. Well, it happened to me with, with that girl that went to Florida with. I mean, you know, we ended up breaking up, and, and you know, she married some guy that was in the army or something. But I, you know, I'd sit there, I was thinking, man, do you still think about me? You right. know, when you close your eyes. I mean, you want—that's what you want, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You say when you close your eyes, I hope you still yeah. think about me. Yeah. The video is pretty classic '80s. Oh video. yeah. Oh yeah. We'll have to post that on our Facebook page. Well, unfortunately. There are some people that you that you don't want them to think about you because sometimes they're not very stable, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it could be. Stop calling me. <laughs> I, I love the build of the guitars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In the background here. I just love the harmonies. Um, yeah. Yeah, the harmonies are great. Oh, incredible. And this is not really a ballad, but it's not really a, a rock and roll song. Yeah, it's, it's like, like it's in the middle. It's in the middle. Yeah, I love this line. Hard about a drinking. Don't know what you're thinking because you've had a hard night of drinking. Man, could you imagine back in the day? We didn't have texting. We didn't have, you know, mobile phones or anything. You actually, you know, you were a hard night of drinking, and you wanted to try to find that ex-girlfriend. You really had to make a, a point to get to a phone. Yeah, oh, yeah. Now it's like drunk texting is is, is, is very easy to do. And, and you I, know, I'm glad thing, we didn't have that then. The thing about these songs, they've got a positive element to it. This is one of the things I think about in 84. There was a positivity about things. You know, you can still rock in America. People you know, the, feeling good about, yeah. about nationalism in America. Yeah. Right. I debated on whether to bring this up or not, but one of my favorite lines in here is, I remember when we learned about love in the back of a Chevrolet. Wow. Yeah, I'm more of a Ford guy myself. No, I had a Chevrolet Monte Carlo, so yeah. I, I have no that, idea what you're worked, talking about, so I can't. That worked for me. I had a Chevy Nova. I had a 1974 Chevy Nova in 1984. Uh, it, was a, it was an awesome car. Three on the tree. Yeah. Well, mine had bucket <laughs> seats on the front, so you had to get in the back seat. Wow. I had bench seats in the front and Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. I don't. Do they even make bench seats anymore? Is any? <laughs> I mean, no, not in the front anyway. Yeah. And it, it was a red Nova, and it had houndstooth seat covers. Yeah. And I bought it for my preacher, <laughs> my associate <laughs> pastor. So did he know what you were doing in the back of him? <laughs> in the back there of the Chevrolet. Yeah. <laughs> you were certainly learning about something. <laughs> But it, it's just, I think it's a fun song. Uh, it, it really was hard to figure out exactly what I wanted to pull from here. There's, there's, this is another one of those albums that there's really not a bad track on. No. Yeah, go and look at the album. Like we said, 
we just had the highlights on these. And this we didn't was in do, my... do the highlights just to Christian. Yeah. So go go find this album. Enjoy it. Yeah. Their first three albums were in my cassette collection. I back had them in all. I had them all too. And it's interesting. They had such a cool ending on You Can Still Rock in America. And this one just kind of just, just fades, fades out, out, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, it's like, how are we going to end it? Mm-hmm. Just turn it down. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I have sort of, uh, some of those fades would like last three minutes. <laughs> yeah. Like. yeah. Well, great, I was, great I was, choice, a, I was a DJ at the time so well, at Auburn. Well, during, I'm glad you. During the weekends. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it and it took you back like it did mm-hmm. me. So we're going to move on to our entertainment track brought to us by right column financial i think we all know what that is in that first note if you don't you're about to (laughs) you think it's a scary song it's very scary it should be (laughs) it's huey lewis's i want a new drug oh no (laughs) that's right right. we talked about that you got busted all right entertainment pick obviously ghostbusters i ain't afraid of no ghost I ain't afraid of no lawsuit. That's <laughs> comedy with Bill Murray and, and Dan Aykroyd. What I mean, an awesome was... movie. And the beginning of that is so funny when Bill Murray is doing taking that girl through the test. Yes. And, you know, he's looking at the yes. cars. Yes. Right again. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're ama- you have an amazing ability. And then the guy is like, I don't know, square? <laughs> no. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. It's a classic. Yeah. And believe it or not, June of 84 had more classics. And you remember this Christmas movie called Gremlins? Yep. <laughs> yep. People don't remember. That was a Christmas movie. Yeah, that was, was a scary Christmas yeah, movie. That was, that was a, that was funny, though. I mean, you got the, the I guess, the little Yodas that kind of look kind of corrupted. <laughs> they do kind of look like Baby Yoda. I've seen they? some memes that compare that they have That's Baby funny. Yoda and the Gremlins yeah. in it. I, that was a fun one. I mean, yeah. that was I, I enjoyed the heck out of that one. I mean, once again, you're spending money to go see these every time. The Karate Kid. I mean, yeah. Yeah. come on. You know, I don't think that would make it today. You know, as a remake or something, I just don't think. <laughs> What's yeah. weird is that yeah. that that this. Pat Moria was was a, was a, a gardener, uh-huh. and the thing is, is is Japanese gardeners were big back in the '60s and '70s, and now it's all Hispanics doing gardening. So you don't even have that anymore. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting. It was it, it, too. It was interesting because the 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 actor was actually came out of the comedy circuit, mm. but he really. Got pigeonholed with this movie into that, you know, kind of sensei, yeah, type thing. Yeah, well, I mean, he was what Arnold in in, in Happy Days, yeah. yeah so well, that's right. And if, if if you haven't if you haven't checked out Cobra Kai, I joked about it would never make it as a, a rerun. It that is a fun throwback type is it of really? a series. I didn't even yeah. want to try it out. Yeah, we talked about this one last night when we were drinking beers together. Bachelor Party with Tom uh, Hanks. Yeah, that was and our friend Rob here. Has been told back in the eighties that back. he looked like Tom Hanks with yeah, bosom buddies. Well, or maybe I'll say with bachelor party. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Now that one was it was not as good as that's that's Rathacon. where they started the thing with every every even numbered Star Trek being good and every odd numbered <laughs> yeah. Star Trek being kind of lousy. Conan the Destroyer with that was the. 
Conan the Barbarian was excellent. Conan the Destroyer was pretty pretty lame. Yeah, another yeah. example made of trying money. to capitalize on the popularity of the original with the yeah. with the sequel. Rhinestone. Believe it or not, that was a musical with Sylvester Stallone and you know who else? Dolly, Dolly Parton. Parton. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was awful. <laughs> Cannonball Run Two. That was not, not much better. <laughs> yeah, that was that was was interesting. As Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, that was their final appearance in movies. Um, they were, they also you know were coupled with uh, Sammy Davis Jr. and Shirley MacLaine. Sort of like the last time that Rat Pack got together. Huh. Uh, Jim Neighbors made his last film role in that, and Jackie Chan that was one of his first holiday role, uh, Hollywood roles. Really, you know, he came over from that. But that's been some of your entertainment. We'll come back and catch some more a little bit later. But we're going to move on to staff picks. And our next staff pick is going to what? Bruce? What you got, Bruce? Oh, yeah. This intro makes me think about driving in my Chevy Nova with the windows down on a summer evening. It really does, Rob. This song... There is one place that every time this song comes on, it takes me to an, a specific location at a specific time. Nighttime, driving down I-85, right where I-85 and I-75 come together, and you see the oh, lights yeah. of Atlanta. Yeah. For some reason, every time this song comes on, that's the place that I'm taken to. How about that? A warm summer night with the windows open and this thing just cranking on the stereo. Yeah. yeah. This is... Billy Idol, Eyes Without a Face. Thank you, Brian, for uh, for not putting this on when you did the uh, the album Rebel Yell. Yeah, but because it's all as your, to your point, it, that's one of the most popular. But there are so many other songs to feature. Yes, in this one. Yeah, it is. It was uh, very popular. It hit number four yeah. on Billboard's Hot 100, and it was the first top ten hit in the USA for Billy Idol. I love it. I love it. Oh, listen to that that female voice. Do you know what she's saying? No. Anybody? Anyone? Bueller? You got me. She is saying, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Le Yon Sans Visage, which is French for eyes without a face. <laughs> well, I'm glad that he's trying to be international in his There you go. That, the female part is done by Perry Lister who was, at the time, she was in a relationship with Billy Idol. And you can get a look at her. She plays the bride in the video for White Wedding. Oh. So that's Perry Lister. And the title is from, there's a French horror film in the 1960s called Eyes Without a Face. Um, And the plot was about a plastic surgeon whose daughter was disfigured in an accident. And he's obsessed with getting her a face transplant. But, of course, he's not, you're not doing a face transplant from somebody from a cadaver or something. He's going out and finding actual people. I wonder if that's where they got the movie Face Off from. You know, the one with John Travolta and Nick Cage. Remember that? <laughs> that was the most unbelievable one. It was fun, but it was so unbelievable. They flopped faces like four times. Yeah. I think they're doing a remake of that. Oh, I love this uh, guitar part. Listen to that. It, I, Forgive me, I can't remember if that's him playing the guitar or if he's got a... No, no it's his yeah. guitarist, lead guitarist. Yeah. This I, is another one of those. It's not a ballad, but it's closer to a ballad than anything else. You're it's right. kind of a... It's one of those hybrids like uh, uh, like when you close your eyes or yeah. what has love got to change. Yeah, I agree. 
they did the video. The video is kind of interesting. They did it, though, in, in like three days. It was just a grueling time with those days. And then Billy Idol flew off to do a performance in Arizona immediately after that. Now, apparently, he didn't take his contacts out during that whole time. And his contacts fused to his eyeballs. Yikes. Oh. He had to have them surgically removed. Oh. Uh, that had yeah. to be. I think uh. he just said, he goes, oh. So I thought that was interesting. His eyes were bandaged for three days until his scraped corneas grew back. So in a way, he was temporarily a face without eyes. Yes. Oh, yes. no. <laughs> no. I knew it was going somewhere with thank that. You, thank you. Thank you very much. You've be been sure a wonderful audience. Be what sure part of that story was true, Bruce? <laughs> no, no, no. That was, well, except for that last little bad pun. The whole story was true because Wikipedia said it was so. The song itself is about like a, the end of this hopeless love affair. Yeah, I think in the video they just they had eyes kind of overlapping. Yeah, the they did, and they had they had his face kind of like a disembodied head. Yes. at the beginning of right. it, a lot of dark imagery. He's still touring, I think. I saw a oh, video yeah. from, like, last year. Mm-hmm. The guy looks exactly the same. I don't and, know how he does it. And we uh, have talked about this before, that when he does return, that is on our bucket list, guys. Yeah, got to see it. The ending is almost as good as the beginning. Absolutely. It's one of those songs that has a great beginning and a great ending. You'll know it? the first of this song coming up, and Brian's going to bring it to yes, us. Yes, I am. Speaking of ballads. Oh, yeah. The king of ballads, I do believe. Yes. <laughs> yes. Frank Sinatra. Close. <laughs> I didn't like this song just because I think this is the song that broke up Journey. Well, I mean, that's an excellent point. This is Steve Perry singing. Uh, go ahead, Steve. Melt my heart. I love it when he just has that inhale to. Yeah. What a voice. Kick it in, guys. This song is called Oh Sherry. At the time, it was about his girlfriend, Sherry Swafford. I don't know if you guys remember that name. She is in the video, by the way. Well, that was her. That was her in the video. The video was everywhere. I mean, that was probably Mm -hmm. the number one video in MTV at the time. And this is MTV at its height, also. 84. Oh, yeah. I mean, this it was all video there. There was nothing yeah. else. You saw videos. You went to bars to go watch MTV yep. and drink around and watch them. And this album with with the whole, I guess it was uh, a hotel and he's up yeah. on stairs and all that yeah. fun stuff. That was nice. Yeah, and the thing about it, Sherry was reluctant to do the video. But what happened was, as she agreed to do it, then they kind of pushed her and said, well, we want you to wear this tank top with no support. And she didn't like that at all. She wasn't comfortable at all doing it. But reluctantly, she did it because she had agreed to initially to do it with Steve. But you made the point earlier about the end of Journey. Of course, Journey had just released uh, their album. Of course, you had Escape, then you had Frontiers, uh, Frontiers, which Mm -hmm. is two huge blockbuster albums. 
Then in 84, he goes and does a solo project. Mm-hmm. So they kind of called it an honorary journey hit. Oh. Honorary. And then the, they did their final album together for, for a long time at least. And 86 was raised on radio. But that truly is to your point, Wayne. That really was signaled the end that Steve really wanted to go in another direction. Well, Frontiers was really more of a rock album. Yeah. It did that did go into more of the rock phase, and there wasn't really a lot of pop stuff. And then this kind of flipped the switch and going, hey, there's a lot of money to be made and going pop, and this yep. this album proved it. Yep. This was a great album. I had this cassette. There yep. were some good good tracks on it, and, of course, this was the biggest one. Yeah. You mentioned the album. It's from the Street Talk album, which was his first solo effort. And so, you know, one of those things, if you... If you dip your toe in the water and the water feels fine, you might go ahead and just put your whole body in. Mm-hmm. I think this is where he put his toe, dipped his toe in the water, and it felt really nice. Yeah. And so this was, as we but mentioned. But, you know, interestingly, Steve Perry really didn't do solo stuff after Journey, did he? Oh, yeah. He did. A, a, well, we featured one of the songs from his uh yeah, from uh, his second solo in the nineties. But it, 90s, it wasn't yeah. like it wasn't like Peter Gabriel where oh, he no. went off and did his own work. There yeah. were there were just a very few yeah. solo projects that he did. Yeah, well, the one we featured was for the Love of Strange Medicine, is where mm-hmm. he went and did. And of course, we feature that. But just a great, great uh, voice. As as you guys know, he's my man crush. And uh, so if he sings, I'm listening. So. Get the album. We might want to cover the album actually because yeah. I'm I'm just looking at these tracks. Yeah, Man. Foolish Heart is just another sensation. Yeah, I believe, go one. away. Yeah. Just That's don't go away, one. Mad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's mine. Anyway, thanks, Brian. Yes, that was sir. cool. All right, so we're moving right along here. And this one is covered by Wayne. And we're going to stay mellow on this one. What? Guys. Wait, wait, what day wait, is this? Wait, no, no. I don't think so. I don't believe it. You kind of get this. This sort of has a... Sounds like a movie. Pop feel, yeah. feel, and also kind of a ru- Russian feel. I know that voice, Wayne. There we go. Uh oh. I know that voice. There we go. Get your dancing shoes on, which I can't. <laughs> 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 Guys, I covered Frankie Goes to Hollywood over a year ago with their big hit. That's right. Relax. Don't do it. And I mentioned this song was the follow up hit. And it, in the United States, it was not as big as Relax. It's called Two Tribes. I remember this. I really like this song. I had this cassette. This is actually a bigger hit in the UK than Relax. It was the longest number one hit in the UK charts in the 80s. It sold over 2 million records. Just this song. Single, the the 45. In in the UK. Just the 45. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So that, I mean, that's just kind of wild. One reason why it did, they had a producer named Trevor Horn. Ah. You guys remember, know who that is? Indeed, I do. We talked about doing an episode just featuring Trevor Horn produced songs. all roads lead to. Yeah. Yes. And Asia. Yeah. And what he did is, just because this does have that dance feel, this is one of those times in the 80s, early 80s, it didn't start now, guys. I hate to say this, but they did remixes. And they'd have 12-inch singles, and they would they would do just, you know, eight, ten-minute versions of these songs. And they made seven different mixes of this song. So that's one reason why it just kind of wow. made the number of, of songs. Somebody went, oh, I like that mix better than I like this one. Or they keep on getting it. Would they what? also call these dance mixes? Yeah. Okay. Well, this different. is a dance mix, yeah. isn't it? 
interesting fact is this. When this actually hit number one in the U.K., Relax came back up and became number two hit. And they're one of the – there was the third act ever to, in U.K. to do that. You guys got an idea who, who at least one of them are? They had the number one and number two song back-to-back. The Beatles. The Beatles. The Beatles be and John Lennon. Okay. So those are the only two that do this. Well, the song, I haven't even really talked about it. It's called Two Tribes. It's an anti-war song. Uh, duh. And – most people don't realize we talked about SDI and all this other stuff that was going on at the time at the top of the show. And this was the peak of the Cold War. And everybody was afraid of, you know, getting blown up by yep. nuclear war. And the video is pretty wild. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a dirty fighting match between, you know, Ronald Reagan, the president of the United States, and Konstantin Chernenko, who was the secretary of the Communist uh, Soviet Union at that time. And basically, you got gamblers looking at it, circling. And they're, I mean, they're fighting. They're kicking each other in the, the nutsacks and biting ears, throwing sand in each other's face. And then at the end of the video, the onlookers all start fighting. And then the world blows up. <laughs> Such a positive message. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, <laughs> this wasn't the positive song we've had before. <laughs> all right, we're going to bring things all the way back down to Rob. All right, guys. You guys know I'm a fan of the keyboard, the synthesizer. And Eddie Van Halen was all about the synthesizer in 1984. But David Lee Roth was against it, so. Yeah. But listen to that, man. This is I'll Wait. Van Halen is probably my favorite va- band. This is probably my favorite Van Halen song. Really? It, it really is. So I graduated in 1984 from high school. In 1984... Was kind, this album was kind of my anthem album. Well, this is that rock rock anthem. They, ben Halen was sort of still in the heavy metal category. This album put them into mainstream, the mainstream, mainstream. And this is, you know, you had Jump, you had Panama, you had... Uh, Hot for Teacher. Uh, Drop Dead Legs. I mean, well, there are some songs on there that just kick butt. Listen to the drums, too. I mean, that's, come on, that's oh, yeah. credit credits, dude. The bass is kick butt, too. Yeah. Michael Anthony just ripping on the bass. Mm. I really don't think anybody did poorly in their oh, jobs no. on this album. Yeah, I, I really, you know, this is a song about getting the girl. A rock and roll song? I'll wait till your love comes down to my level. <laughs> I started, I, I went out with my friend Cindy in the fall of 1983. We, had, we went to a couple of football games. We hung out with our group of friends. And she's kind of like, you know, I'd like to date some other people. And I said, okay, I'll wait. I literally oh, have that really? attitude. It's like, I'm going to wait. I'm just going to sit over here and wait. Did that song inspire your uh, response? It just fit. My point is this album right. talks about things like Panama and the car. Yeah. It talks about jump. And who by knows? Hopper Teacher was like... 20 years too early. <laughs> but, but let me ask you this, though, Rob. Did your response to Cindy say, I'll wait? Was it inspired by this? That was my attitude. Oh, okay. yeah. My attitude aligned with the song. Okay. So it wasn't a one produced the other. Right. But the funny thing is, I'm an artist, and at this point in my life, I was doing pencil sketches and portraits. So I had some portraits of Van Halen, the members of Van Halen, Tom Petty. Uh, yeah. I had a portrait that I did of Cindy, and so I had her picture on my wall <laughs> that I had drawn. 
So, wow. you know, the line, I have I have your picture, yes, I know it well. Oh. You know, wow. It, she really? wasn't in a magazine, cool. but like I'm saying, it just, the, the synthesizer. Yeah, it just connected. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was just it was just a lot of fun. Rob, this is my we called, I'll wait for Cindy. I never knew this. <laughs> Maybe you guys did. This song was actually had a, had somebody help in the song. Well, we talked about already the the guy that was playing the keyboards in the background, but this was in an interview from Ultimate Classic Rock, and Ted Templeman called me up and said, "These guys, Van Halen, have a track and they need some lyrics." So I mentioned you could do it, and they said, fine. So why don't you come down, Michael McDonald? Wow. <laughs> so this is Yacht Rock. <laughs> he says, I met David Lee Roth at Ted's office. That was uh, an interesting experience, McDonald said with a chuckle. He kind of liked what I had going, so we sat there in the office with a demo, playing on a cassette recorder, singing lines and melodies. Wow. And then he said, he says, just to show you the difference between that band and our band as far as record sales, I probably made more money as one-fifth writer on that song than I did on the entire Doobie Brothers album the subsequent year. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's wow. Fantastic. How about that? That's how explosive this album was. This this was the album of 1984. Oh, yeah. And, of course, it was 1984's I, album. I saw the concert. I, I, had, the, I, had, I had the T-shirt. <laughs> but uh, this, was, this was just... Amazing, and it just reminds me of hanging out with my friends, Van Mathis, Doug Aiken, Bill Moss, Ken Gaunt, Jeff Bailey, Steve Hart. And you guys know a lot of these yeah. guys. They've been on What the Riff, but anyway, it reached number thirteen. Never had a video. Oh, there's not a video out there. There were different there, bands uh, that were kind of anti video. Probably a live video though. I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was awesome. So now we're going to end up with an instrumental. This is another band that I liked, and I had this album actually in 1984, The Art of Noise. That's right. Close to the edit. Close to the edit. It gets its name because it's, um, it went, well, actually it was a remix. You were talking about remixes, and there were a bunch of, bunch of remixes that Art of Noise did. This was remixed from a, a, a kind of a song that they did called Beatbox. Originally, it was going to be Beatbox Diversion 2. But uh, they named it close to the edit um, because it takes its name from samples from a band that Trevor Horn was yes. associated with um, called uh, called Yes, All Roads Lead to Yes. I wonder who and that was. The, uh, the, that was the title of their album. It was Close to the Edge. And uh, you, there's a little bit of sampling of Leave It and Owner of a Lonely Heart in this. So you're, what you're saying is if they mixed it up, it would be closer to the heart. Correct. <laughs> well, we usually take this time to kind of get to what we didn't get to before. We had top hits of June of 1984. This was huge. This was an MTV staple. Cindy Lauper, Time After Time. That oh, was yeah. a great song. Denise too. Williams yeah. said, let's hear it for the boy. I remember that. Duran Duran, The Reflex. I actually liked that song. It was one of the few from Seven and the Ragged Tiger that I actually liked. We yeah. mentioned these guys a little earlier. Huey Lewis in the news, harder rock and roll. Oh, big one. Born in the USA was released by Bruce Springsteen. And that, the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, that, put, that was a huge That, one. once again, put him mainstream. He had his following. Yeah. and I mean, yeah, he had a lot of great songs. 
And I mean, great albums we've already discussed, but yeah, that was the, the explosive hit. <clears throat> Another one that put somebody on the map, Prince, Purple Rain. Yeah, that's a big one. Sheila E. from Prince had the glamorous light. What a beautiful, beautiful, uh, I mean, beautiful lady. I mean, striking Su- lady. Susie yeah. and the Banshees had Hyena. John Waite, no breaks. Elton John had Breaking Hearts. It sort of, you know, got sober and started singing again. Rod Stewart, Camouflage. Elvis Costello and the Attractions had Goodbye, Crew World. The Water Boys at Pagan Place. And then another big album, Glenn Fry had All Nighter. Hmm. There's, there's a cool... This is a, a synthesizer effect that really was kind of new. It came out in 1984. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They called it like a, a breath effect. And the last thing I want to bring up on the music of uh, June of 1984, at the climax of a Judas Priest concert in Madison Square Gardens, fans began to rip out the cushions from their seats and started throwing them on the stage. You guys remember that? Uh, that could not have gone well <laughs> with their deposit. <laughs> Judas Priest had to pay the damages, to, and then they were banned from Madison Square Garden from ever, ever from uh, playing there again for the rest of their career. So. Oh, did they did they uh, suggest that the, the fans do that, or how did they get the blame <laughs> no. for that? No, that was a heavy metal group. <laughs> that, that, that just one life, and they were going to live it up. Yeah. It just seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah, oh. all I, it takes is one. I don't know if you remember this video, but um, it was uh, it, the band very experimental, and they came through and destroyed pianos and saxophones and different instruments. Wait, art of noise? Indeed. It was banned in uh, in uh, New Zealand. They were concerned about violence towards children for some reason. I thought you were talking about Judas Priest. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they were banned, too. All right. TV, June of 1984. It wasn't much, but Welcome to the Fun Zone by Dr. Demento airs on NBC. Hmm. You guys remember Dr. Demento? I remember Dr. Demento, but I don't remember the show. I don't remember the show. Thick of the Night ended. Alan Thick. Mm -hmm. Some people know know his son out there. Then this was a staple in afternoon uh, game shows. Tattletales ended in June of 1984. You remember Burke Convoy? Burke Convoy, yeah. And he would have his, uh, have I guess couples. Yeah. I guess well-known married couples and have them on there. But well, that's been what the riff, June 1984. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. Hope you guys enjoyed it. See you guys next time. Thanks for listening to What the Riff? We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Wright Collin Financial, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Riff?